G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Radio in Melbourne with the financial support of the Community Radio Federation. We come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio. First up is a discussion with a Woolworths delegate for RAFU, the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, for an on-the-ground view of EBA negotiations. Then, at an anti-poverty week event, where council candidates from 11 councils came together with a clear message local governments should advocate for their residents who are out of work and living in poverty by adding their voices to the campaign to raise new start allowance. But first, some union news. Tip-top workers celebrate after winning their campaign for a fair EBA. The 17 tip-top maintenance workers from Dandenong and Bendigo in Melbourne, all members of the AMWU, were campaigning to win a better deal in their enterprise agreement after the company offered a dodgy deal that would have seen some people working permanent weekends without time with their families, reduced public holiday pay and a terrible two-tier pay system. Instead, the workers took strike action and won an improved pay rise, extra sick leave days, redundancy protections, better training leave pay and prevented any cuts to their conditions. The AMWU fitters performed crucial maintenance at the bread and muffin manufacturer, with most workers having been there for 12 years or more. Union delegate Graham said that the members just wanted a rollover of their current agreement, no cuts to their conditions and a pay rise to keep up with cost of living. We've built our agreement up over the years. We're loyal to the company and really experienced. We have a superb health and safety record considering the high-risk work we have to do. We often have only six to seven minutes to fix an oven if it breaks down. It costs the company big money if production stops and the issue isn't fixed quickly. So we work hard and we work fast to fix complex equipment in a high-pressure environment, Graham said. We all knew that a 1.5% pay rise wouldn't keep up with cost of living or CPI. It's nowhere near it. It basically would have sent us backwards when we have prices going up in the supermarket and electricity costs going through the roof. So we decided to take industrial action with the support of the Australian Manufacturing Workers Union, the AMWU, to win an agreement that will allow us to pay the bills and support our families. We've had good support from the other workers, the bakers, the dispatch guys inside. They all supported us drawing a line in the sand, he said. Thanks to our unity and all of that support, we won. You may already be aware of the case of when is a casual not a casual. A federal court ruling on the 16th of August stunned Australian business by backing workers' estimation of what a casual worker isn't. That is someone who has set hours and forward rosters. In the case of Labor Hire Company Workpack versus Skeen, the employee, a full federal court decided that a fly-in, fly-out worker was not a casual employee for the purpose of the Fair Work Act and was entitled to annual leave. Whether an employee is casual or permanent has significant implications for the employee's entitlements to various forms of paid leave, notice of termination, 
redundancy pay, public holidays and, in certain circumstances, access to unfair dismissal laws. This decision has widespread implications for the labour hire industry, users of labour hire services and employers with casual inverted commas employees alike. The Federal Court upheld a decision finding that an employee who was described as a casual but worked a regular roster set a year in advance was a permanent employee. As a consequence, the employee was entitled to annual leave under both the National Employment Standards and the Enterprise Agreement, which applied to his employment. The Court's decision in WorkPAC versus Skeen confirms that in considering whether an employee is a casual or permanent for the purposes of the Fair Work Act 2009, the approach adopted by the common law prevails. Essentially, this requires that in order to be considered a casual, an employee must have no firm advance commitment as to the duration of their employment or the days or hours worked. However, the decision leaves open the capacity of an employer to set off the liability for leave or other benefits against the casual loading, where such loading is clearly expressed as an identifiable amount. Now, the new LMP Jobs and Industry Relations Minister, Kelly O'Dwyer, has weighed in on the side of the employers, bleating about double-dipping and that small business needs certainty, despite a clear example of systemic breaking of common law. She has decided to back a new case by Labor hire company WorkPack, which has decided not to appeal the decision from the first case, but to launch a test case over whether casual loading can offset claimed leave entitlements. We will let you know when further news comes in. The Unemployed Workers' Union, the AUWU, has joined forces with social change lobbyists Get Up to amplify the voices of unemployed AUWU members, demanding the coalition increase New Start and address Australia's growing job crisis. Get in contact with AUWU if you want to be part of ongoing campaigning. Get Up are giving free tickets away to AUWU members to its Future to Fight for campaign events next month in Sydney, November the 17th, Melbourne, November the 20th and Brisbane, 21. This event will feature the famed job guarantee advocate and key economic advisor to the Saunders campaign in America, Steph Kelton. For more information, go to unemployedworkersunion.com. You're listening to Stick Together. Workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. You're listening to Stick Together, union news, workers' stories. Today we are going to be speaking to a RAFU delegate, a person who works for Woolworths, but is also a delegate for Better Wages and Conditions, with the newest union on the block, the Retail and Fast Food Workers' Union.
So um, I've been working as a, a Woolworths employee for a few years now and really got involved with RAFWU and now a delegate. Through getting involved in RAFWU, I was also able to be a committee member um, and a bargaining representative in the recent um, Woolworths Enterprise Bargaining Agreements. Major companies um, under the current industrial laws are required to come up with an EBA every a few years. And so in 2018, both the SDA and the Meat Workers Union um, and RAFWU all met with Woolworths as they work out wages and conditions. It, it was really interesting being in that room. I think it's also really important to note like the way that these agreements actually go down in terms of the conversation and the way that they are sold to members. I said there was a vote on the agreement between the 11th and the 22nd of October, and the agreement passed by 93% of a vote. But when you look at it closely, and there is like a mild in increase in wages, I think around 20 cents, and at penalty rates, they have been restored off the back of the Fair Work Commission ruling it last year. Which was that the agreement that was struck Mm. didn't pass the boot test. Yes. The agreement wasn't better overall than the previous agreement. Mm -hmm. And it's really important on that point as well, because RAFWU is currently representing one of our members um, that is in the Fair Work Commission, taking issue of back pay and this guy is making an argument that over the past six or so years under the 2012 EBA agreement he has lost around about $30,000 yeah and and that's not the smallest amount that I've heard of how come he wasn't paid properly and the agreement in 2012 was said to have passed the boot test the better off overall test it may have been better off for certain people on certain rosters out of the over 100 a thousand employees of a Woolworths. Similarly, if a coal across Australia, there may have been one roster on one week in which all the workers and they were better off overall. And these companies are going to use those singular examples as an example of, yeah, everyone on the roster is absolutely better off. And therefore, this should be the pay scale um, of everybody in Australia. And this is the case that's in the FAO Commission at the moment. We we have been um, asking Woolworths for the specific documents and the rosters of which they made up the 2012 decision, which they always kept as a, a secret. Um, and FAO Commission has ruled that Woolworths has to get back to us and they have to give us the documents. Um, so at this point, we're looking for a golden piece of paper that may or may not exist anymore. But if you find this piece of paper that said that, and they knowingly chose one roster over another, I said that they could targetly underpay people, then and the entire um, 2012 agreement will be retrospectively terminated and, and thousands and thousands of members across Australia, and they will get back pay. I think the retail and fast food industry is very particular um, and that it is made up largely of young people. Um, also, there's like an entire older generation as well. But um, with these young people, more often than not, they're just really happy to have a job um, and they're not going to notice the mm. a tiny difference in between 21.85 versus 21.8. And I find that like, I'm also working for the um, University of Melbourne a Student Union at the moment. Um, and I find that a lot of young people... Even if they're working around like 15, 20 hours a week, they don't think of themselves as workers. They think of themselves as students at the, at the same time while they're working. Yeah. Um, so I think the main challenge um, for RAFWU is really engaging these young people. And the raising one- the consciousness that yeah. they can participate in unionism. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, I think without you, without that your union, these mm. workers would be just completely exploited continuously. Yeah. So my... It, 
experience in the union um and working at Woolworths for years as I mentioned but like is that um yeah like you can take an active role in your workplace um and I mean you don't have to be aggressive and you can be uh, assertive with management if you know the rules what they can and can't do. I was interested in the fact that you actually sit in negotiations you've actually sat in negotiations Mm -hmm. what was that experience like because uh, I mean what people most fear is confrontation. (laughs) Yeah I mean Especially working for Woolworths as well and mm-hmm. then being part of the negotiations at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really important to note that RAF was the only union in the room um, out of the meat workers in the SDA and had actual Woolworths workers in the room. And so a bunch of us all flew up to um, Sydney for a day. We all wore Woolworths uniforms on like the 30th <coughs> floor of this massive high-rise building um, and we're all sitting across from all... Uh, for all these older men and women wearing suits and we were the only workers in the room. And that, um, like, even though the confrontation um, is not my natural um, weather to hold myself, but sitting in a very unique uh, sort of position, which we were the only workers in the room, um, it really gave me a lot of confidence. And also the the support as well of Josh um, Cullinan, um, that is a, a fantastic unionist um, and is the general uh, secretary of RAFWU. That's it. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, having these tall towers in a uh, rarefied, uh, human-made environment Mm -hmm. divorces these decision-makers from Mm -hmm. the uh, real workplaces that they're making decisions for. It's a fascinating thing to bring workers into that space. Yeah, well, and there was around about a week later... a few weeks later, um, which we'd had a, a phone conference with Woolworths and the SDA, um, and I was actually working at Woolies. Um, I was at the service desk. I was serving customers, um, and one of the negotiators, a representative of people um, from the SDA walked up um, and asked him what he thought of bargaining this morning. We had a little bit of a chat. There was definitely a, definitely a divide there. I found that really funny. Yeah, yeah, very, <laughs> but empowering as well. Yeah, no, of course. Um, I mean, we are definitely learning quite a lot um, about EBAs and bargaining, um, but it is quite empowering. With the new agreement, as it was passed around about a week ago, they, as you mentioned, they will sell um, certain elements of it as being really positive, as like wage increases, return of penalty rates. But I just wanted to sort of note that um, in this agreement, especially, we've also seen this in um, the Coles agreement last year, um, also the Macca's agreement that's coming in at the moment, is that if you have increases in wage in, and penalty rates for overtime hours or for night fill hours um, and that are not matched at the same time with protections of working conditions, then it is... It means nothing. Yeah. What does that look... What kind of conditions... Perfect question. Uh, would I be right in saying that uh, you may not get any night fuel no, yep. hours? Uh, right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, of course, like it costs them more. Like it does. Um, and they're saying, all right, well, in, if we're able to balance um, them actually packing all of the uh, shelves throughout the day, yeah. well, so we the have order, them on at night. Yeah, and so you'd have workers who do normal stuff mm. will now have to do more stuff mm-hmm. during the day. Yeah, and, uh, and there are technically... Mm. Um, some conditions in the agreement, like Woolworths agreement, it said that um, there will not be any changes um, to a workers' roster unless um, the workers sign on to a new agreement. But they've been strongly encouraged yeah. to sign. So, have you been presented the agreement, or have you heard that lots of people have been presented a new contract to sign? Yeah, well, um, the pay increases yeah. for overnight workers. 
Um, so I haven't, um, I haven't, I seen it at Woolworths. Um, as the new pay increases don't come along uh, until after Christmas, but one of my a very good friends. Mothers um, works at Coles. Um, and she's worked there for upwards of ten years. Um, and she enjoys the flexibility of the overnight roster. And she's been asked once, twice, three times in order to assign a new contract. Um, and she thinks this is really unfair. And but she felt that there wasn't any other option. I'm assign the new mm. roster. I'll get a cut of hours. Have Sorry. the reduced flexibility yep. when they work in the daytime. Now, what, what you're saying gives people a clue to how important it is to be part of a union that will yeah. fight for them. Yep. Uh, but also because you've become more empowered as a delegate, you're able to communicate more mm-hmm. with the people around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, obviously, people from across stores uh, and uh, employers are now talking to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is really a, a community that has come out in support of Rafu. Um, we have just started bargaining at... McDonald's and the amount of friends that have reached out to me and said like, go for them. Yeah, absolutely. A younger brother is like, is like, at sixteen and he's working for Mac. Is exactly what's going on. You reckon you could have a talk to him? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I bring him up. Like, but, but um, it is a slowly growing movement. But Ruffalo has only been around for 2016, and. So the word is definitely getting out in the industry, and that we are there, and we are a fighting union that is going to take on these institutionalised issues, not only in the the industry, with the industrial laws across the board. You are listening to Stick Together, the only national program focusing on workers' stories and union news. In Adelaide for our next report, we go to an Anti-Poverty Week event. The reporter is Roman Orzanski. The Anti-Poverty Network Campaigns Coordinator, Paz Forgioni, assembled councillors from 11 councils to call for the federal government to raise the New Start allowance. Why did you choose to campaign on the issue of the level of New Start? Well, I mean, there are lots of things that are wrong with our welfare system. It's punitive. People have to jump through all sorts of hoops to, to get payments and to keep those um, payments. There's all sorts of stigmatising and humiliating policies, but there's no issue that's greater than the low rate of New Start. It's 40 bucks a day, 270 bucks a week. It has not been raised in rural terms for almost a quarter of a century. Paul Keating was the last Prime Minister to lift New Start. Like in terms of you know where to put our resources as anti-poverty and welfare rights um, campaigners, New Start's always been top of the list. That's not to say that there aren't um, single parents living in poverty, disability pensioners, you know, having a tough time, or people with disabilities who can't even get onto disability pension. But it seems the the logical place them to start is with the fact that our unemployment benefits are 160 bucks a week, and. On top of that, with a growing number of people who are unemployed long term. So it's not even like a short period of pain, it's increasingly years and years of deprivation. It's interesting that you've got economic studies that show that increasing that payment would also have benefits to the community. That's right. This is something we've argued for a long time that um, you know, when you lift the incomes of low-income people, because you know, low-income people spend rather than save, that money goes straight into the consumer economy, you know, it generates multiplier effects, you know, people shop and then you know those those shops have more revenue and so they take on more staff and so on and so on. But we never had the hard data um, to back up that argument. Well, it took a few years of lobbying 
but finally we have the uh, dynamite that we needed this um, terrific research from um, Deloitte Access Economics uh, I'm one of the four big accounting firms and you know a fairly conservative organisation but what they've shown is that an increase up to new start of 75 um, bucks a week which is by no means an amber claim that, that's a that's a very modest increase when you start 160 a week um, below the poverty line that would generate an extra 12,000 jobs nationwide and grow the national economy by $4 billion um, in, in the year of the increase and for South Australia like it's also good news a 200 an 88 million um, like increase in the state's income. Now, that's not the main reason for raising New Start. The main reason for raising New Start is that in a country this wealthy, no one should have to skip meals. No one should have to go years without being able to see a dentist. No one should feel like, I'm um, to quote, I'm one of our young unemployed members, like they're living under house arrest. That's the main reason to raise a, a, a New Start. Like it's a quality of life issue. Uh, but if that's not enough for people, like it's also good to know that it'll have a positive impact on the economy. Over the last year, 13 councils representing 700,000 residents have voted to support raising New Start. Present was the Adelaide City Councillor who first broached the issue. I'm Phil Martin. I'm a, a City of Adelaide councillor and a candidate in the uh, current election. I understand you actually introduced uh, the idea of raising New Start to council. I did. I um, proposed late last year that council should adopt a motion supporting the Raise the Rate campaign and instructing the Lord Mayor to write to the Prime Minister, uh, asking the Prime Minister and the government to consider raising the rate. In the first instance, the majority of councillors opposed the motion. They didn't think it was a great idea. And it was suggested by many of them that this was a federal issue, an issue in which local government should not be interested. Some weeks later, after pressure from the community, some of those councillors who voted against the motion agreed to put it for the elected body again, and it was approved. And that's great. That was a good outcome, uh, and uh, I'm happy that it took only a few weeks to get it there. What was the reaction from councillors? I mean... What, what made them change their minds? Was it just the, well, I think it, the local yeah, I think residents? It was, I think it was a community saying, well, hang on, what, what's the problem? Uh, is there an issue in supporting a group of people who've been disadvantaged in this way by government inaction? Uh, why can't you just write a letter to the Prime Minister and tell him, get off your bum and do something about Newstart? Is there a feeling in local councils that they shouldn't tread on what is seen as perhaps a, a federal issue? Well, there's always a reluctance to do that. Uh, I think uh, local government fears that it doesn't matter in the bigger scheme of things. And, you know, certainly it's not appropriate for the City of Adelaide to be making statements about defence or uh, foreign relations. But it is important for local government to speak up when there are issues affecting communities. And in South Australia, there is no question that uh, the failure of the federal government to increase New Start for a generation has meant that some of our residents are struggling. And, you know, uh, I've seen figures that suggest people uh, living below the poverty line now constitute somewhere near one in seven in the community. That's unacceptable in a society like ours. This is a wealthy country, a country that has the capacity to make sure that everybody lives above the poverty line. 
Dr Catherine Earle is the acting CEO of SACOS, the South Australian Council of Social Services. So we're here today um, because we absolutely are behind a campaign to increase um, base level social security payments such as Youth Allowance and New Start and so we're really pleased to see how many um, local government councillors and candidates are here today um, because they are obviously interested in um, listening to the people in their community who have to rely on these forms of payments and, um, and so we're really glad to see them here today. What's particularly interesting is that increasing the benefits to these people on low income uh, also has a flow-on effect to the economy. And has has that been quantified? Absolutely. So um, SACOS's federal counterpart, ACOS, the Australian Council of Social Service, commissioned a report by Deloitte Access Economics to to answer that exact question around whether... um, what the economic impact would be of increasing um, these forms of payment. So what they found was for for statewide, um, we would see an increase um, to our state's income of around $288 million. Um, We think this is... The the report also showed that um, locally it would have a a really substantial impact because uh, people on low income are likely to spend their dollars locally because of transport, etc., So um, we actually were able, in that report, they were able to model the impact um, in a number of local government areas. And so we can give some examples of of the impact. So for the city of Salisbury, for example, we believe there would be an increase income in that local government area of around $37 million per year. For the city of Onkaparinga, the report says the increasing income would be $31 million a year. For the city of Playford, $28 million a year. And Port Adelaide Enfield would see an extra $26 million a year spent in their local economies. Is that a function of the number of people in those areas who are on low income? Yes, yeah, so th- that's because the, there are um, significant numbers of people in receipt of youth allowance or new start payment in those areas. That's it for Stick Together today. Thanks to you for listening. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and on iTunes and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377 and leaving us a message. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Until next time, stick together.